Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. Hello and welcome to another week of the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. Yes, I know, another week, another heartbreaking loss. I'm joined by Matthew. How are you, Ma- How are you, mate? I'm all right, I guess. I mean, as best as you could be after the loss. After on, a couple of losses, eh? On Sunday, yeah, but just the, the style of losses, what's starting to become a bit of a trend for the Bulldogs. Having what? a lead at a certain part of the game and not going on to finish him. Anyway, I think new ways to lose is the uh, trend. Yes, that's true. But we'll talk about that a little bit later as we'll jump into our little news section. Uh, last week, early last week, just after our podcast, Blake Green signs with the Bulldogs for the 2021 season. Uh, the deal was done prior to the ACL, as reports were saying. He signed it the week of him doing his ACL injury. Unfortunately, He's done his ACL. He looks like he missed the start of next year <laughs> already. But uh, what's your thoughts on that signing? Well, missed the start of the season. He might miss the season. It could be a 12-month recovery. I'm hoping for nine months, normally best-case scenario for the ACL. So he might uh, go through the entire year, not play a game, and that be a, the end of Blake Green's career. Yeah. I mean, what a negative way to start the show. It's been super negative. This is awesome. Anyway, Kieran Foran has... Uh, Admittedly, he's came out a few times and said that he won't be at the. Uh, looks like he won't be at the Bulldogs next year, despite him constantly saying that anything the Bulldogs will offer him, he will stay. He gets offered a contract and then rejects it. Uh, Foran has said that this looks like the way the club wants to go. It was with Blake Green, uh, so it looks like he's off and potentially Manly's a, a destination that keeps being brought up. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? Back to where it all started with uh, Coach. Des Haslow would be a bit upsetting to see him go. Um, he probably owes the club a little bit more than that. Um, and uh, it'd be desperately sad to see him go now that uh, the Blake Green injury as well. So um, mm. he goes, we don't really have an experienced player in the halves for next season, unfortunately. Which is interesting, though. The interesting point is, that, I know he said it, is that he said he owes everything to the club. He'll do anything to stay. And then gets offered a deal, and then he's on his way. Kind of goes yeah, well, we, we'll see what happens where he ends up, but um, it does sound like special, uh, any chance that we were of keeping him went out the window once the Blake Green announcement was announced. Yep, there. Uh, Bulldogs to play their last three home games at ANZ Stadium. So that includes the Round 17 match, which is this week against the Gold Coast Titans, which is a 3 p.m. kickoff. Uh, then they've got the Round 18 match, which is the following Friday against the Manly Seagulls, a Friday 6 p.m. kickoff. And the round 20 to finish off the season against the top of the table, Penrith Panthers, which was also another Saturday 3 p.m. kickoff. I mean, it's no surprise that they'll be at ANZ Stadium. Uh, any particular match that you think we can jag a win there? Can we get a win in front of our home fans? Gold Coast, hopefully. But the way we are going at the moment, I'm not, I don't have any confidence that we'll win another game this season, unfortunately. Oh. I reckon the Seagulls, if Tom Dravojevic doesn't play, just the, how ordinary they're going. I really feel like the Gold Coast have got way too much classy players for us to compete against. But anyway, I'll continue going. Lachlan Lewis last week said after, or well, prior to the uh, Raiders game, that he had a really good chat with Trent Barrett. And there was a lot of features that Trent likes about Lachlan's game, uh, which has given Lachlan Lewis a lot of confidence. Unfortunately, he couldn't bring that confidence in against the Raiders at all. Um, thoughts? Is this... Uh, Trent Barrett just introducing himself to 
the playing group for next year because Lachlan's got a contract next year, so there's no point going on a wrong foot, I guess. But is something to be excited about, I guess, to get the best out of yeah. Lachlan Lewis, what you're waiting for? Well, I've, I've, we've spoken about here, we've spoken about this topic on the podcast the last couple of weeks. Um, look, we'll see. Trent Barrett's get, uh, been given a lot of credit for the way Nathan Cleary is playing and the attack of the Penrith Panthers this season. So, uh, big test for him next season is to see if he can do the same thing with um, the Bulldogs and uh, the Bulldogs' young halves, what, uh, what it looks like going forward. A thing I must say we're interested in is I've watched Nathan come through the, the great from 20s up and playing in the 20s. He was a superstar in every level he's he played. And yeah, he, ha- he had a, a couple of good seasons. This is like he's by far his best NRL season. He's had a couple of good seasons, but you could see enormous potential behind Nathan Cleary. Just yet to see any of that behind Lachlan Lewis. That's, the, I think, the one difference between them is that Nathan was a star the whole way through. Lachlan Lewis is a reminder that he was playing centre a couple of weeks before he made his NRL debut in the halves in New South's Cup. So, there's a lot yeah, of look, I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, Trent Barrett's going to turn Lachlan Lewis into Nathan Cleary, but um, if a big reason why Nathan Cleary is playing well is because, of, oh, oh, so much better than last year, is because of Trent Barrett, then. Maybe Trent Barrett can turn Lockwell Lewis into a, a semi-decent half. Awesome. Okay, that's a good way to finish that one. Uh, this week is Members <coughs> Appreciation Round. Uh, keep an eye on... The, uh, keep your phones close to you at work or wherever you may be. Some of the Bulldogs players are giving a buzz to you to the guys who've pledged their support to thank them for the, the money they've handed over to the club and staying strong. I know it's been a difficult year for a lot of reasons. The COVID pandemic... Uh, a lot of people unsure, unsure of their finances, plus the Bulldogs just to top it up, the Bulldogs' poor season. But uh, it's good to get a bit of appreciation, and there's a lot of giveaways, so keep your um, keep tuned to the Bulldogs' social media pages to find out more when um, against the Titans this week. Yeah, and... don't, don't go too hard on the players when they call you either, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Very funny, and this one I've saved towards the end. The Bulldogs have announced a partnership with the Mounties. For those who are not too sure, the Mounties are around the Liverpool area. They're down at Mount Pritchard. Mount Pritchard, which is not far away from... Yeah, down that way. Yeah, which is near the Liverpool area, which they've also been linked with the Raiders, the Canberra Raiders. So that brings something just to uh, get yourself familiar with them. They have linked with the Bulldogs to be the Canterbury Cup side and the New South Wales women, New South Wales women's premiership side for the next two seasons, starting in 2021. Well, there's less games for us to cover next year, Scott, isn't there? Well, I mean... This I is the, the Bulldogs fans podcast, not the Mounties fans podcast. Oh, it's not going to be much pop watch, is there? Nah. Look, absolutely ridiculous decision. I mean, one of the... What should be one of the best financial clubs in the competition is us, is the Canterbury Bulldogs. Now, if we've got people in charge of the club that can't run the club and also have our own uh, reserve grade team, uh, those people shouldn't be in the club. Simple as that. Uh, it may seem like a little thing, but it got a lot of hate on social media. And I tell you what, normally I'm, I, I try to remain measured. Uh, 
it'll also uh, try to look past the initial blow up, but I think the initial blow up is uh, is warranted this time. There is no way that the Bulldogs should not have their own reserve grade team called the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. It's a cop out that we have to sh- uh, partner up with Mounties, who are not even in the Canterbury Bankstown area, f- so we can have somewhere for our reserve grade players or players that miss out on the NRL to play in the reserve grade competition. It is a bloody joke. Well, I'm, I'm 100% with you. I agree. But one thing I don't think really got as much hate was on the women's side, we only have a New South Wales women's Harvey Norman premiership side. There's only one chance for women to play for the Bulldogs. And it's been and taken off them. It's gone. It's taken off them. So I'm absolutely filthy at that. Then to go to the Canterbury Cup, like you said, you've added all those good points, so I'm not going to go over them again. But another thing that I've always found strange is when clubs link, you can see the uh, ideas behind, like, you know, the Roosters and Bears. Uh, I could see Sharks and Newtown. But one of the things that becomes weird, and I don't want to be little things, is... For the both sides of the Mounties and the Bulldogs is when I know you get players like your Christian Crichtons, uh, Remus Smith, who's been dropped a few times this year. All those players who are not playing top grade to play for the Mounties. Uh, they got to now go out there and train a couple of days a week with the Mounties. Um, they don't get to train at Belmore. They'd be trained out there. And I know just it's just a weird feeling like, you know, and then, I don't know, just a lot of different little things like, you know, the team song after a win. That's something what's been going through the grades for a while now. I know it sounds silly, a team song, but it's the club's thing. There's little things like that. It's the club's, the club's thing. Um, and also, I always thought, you know, being dropped and playing for your team on reserve grade, you're still a part of like your side. It kind of makes that different feeling between club and Different club, as much. Yeah, you could go go back and play at Belmore Sports Ground for the Bulldogs in uh, Canterbury Cup. Now you're being sent off to some half, not even stadium park filled with a couple of posts and play for Mounties. Fantastic. And the f- final thing I was going to mention is back in the uh, mid 2000s to late 2000s, I guess it was. Correct me if I'm wrong, because it's harder to find these details. But I do remember in Hazel Mazri's final game, which would have been 2009 at ANZ Stadium, they had the Bankstown City Bulls yeah. playing. I preferred that, and I found a way to get behind that because it was the Sydney Bulls, I believe, or the Sydney City Bulls. Who Bankstown with the Bulls. City. Yeah, but I thought that yeah. they changed their name to Bankstown City. Yeah. Possibly. So they they came to the like the party yeah. and, you know, called them Bankstown City. And I know it sounds a bit... You know, I just felt like something you can get behind a little bit more than the Mounties. And if we were going to do a theatre club with uh, a side, not to have a side not in the Canterbury-Bankstown district to be our team, there's another reason. Like Todd Greenberg said in 2009, one of the most embarrassing things with the Bulldogs was they didn't have their own New South Cup side. Mm. They didn't have it. He changed that in 2010 and he said there should be never a period of time where this team does not have a reserve grade side. Fast forward 10 years, and we're going back there again. We, we desperately need somebody like Todd Greenberg back, don't we, into the club to run things. It's, uh, it's beyond a joke. Um, 
Yeah, it's not even an area we can grow into. Like the Roosters Bears partnership works so well because it gives Bears the opportunity to have a a, a a pathway straight into the NRL. It gives Roosters a chance to grow in an area um, oh. of Sydney that doesn't have an NRL team. Plus, they got the Central Coast connection. It's really great business. Dogs are not going to grow into Liverpool. So the people of Liverpool uh, that are going to support the dogs already support the dogs. And the rest uh, supporting other teams on the West Tigers area. Yeah. For, for the Magpies. Like, it's if we're going to not have our own team in the Kedemar Cup, let's have an area where we can actually grow our, our club, our branding into. But no. That's fair enough. I'm going to actually move on a little bit now because you look very upset. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was just going to add that uh, there's no way I'm going to support the Mounties club with Bulldogs players in the Kedemarie Cup or the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership. So as far as I'm concerned, there's no Bulldogs in the Canterbury Cup at all or the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership next year, which is upsetting because um, I was, I was uh, like, it's probably three, four years I've been watching as many games as I can of the Canterbury Cup, so... Mm. It's turning, as you know, I'm just one fan, but it's turning supporters away. Yeah, I mean, I now that you've added that, I I've actually the last couple of years I've tried to attend one Canterbury Cup or two at least a year that standalone games at Belmore or some if I, convenient just to go to a standalone game just to watch them. Um, if they play before the NRL at ANZ Stadium. Or Belmore, or wherever it may be, I'm there. If I'm going to the game, I'm there before when it starts. So, like you said, it feels like it's going to be no rush now. If there was a Mounties game played at ANZ Stadium before, or if you do kind of watch it, you're only watching it for the players that are Bulldogs contracted to see how they went. Not Look, to if, cheer if on the side. If it's Mounties versus Bears at ANZ Stadium before a game, I'm probably going to, like, honestly, probably going to be supporting the Bears. Yeah, but, yeah, but I've, to be that's, that's the, the point I'm going with. But, like, you know, like, you probably go there and say, oh, okay, uh, you know, Cogger playing halfback, I don't know, just using him as an example. Instead of watching the team win or whatever, I feel yeah. like you're going to start focusing on one or two individuals in that side and not really worry about... I don't really think I could stand and, stand and cheer the Mounties. <laughs> no. Anyway, I'm going to actually go from one negative to another negative. Well, what else is there to do at the moment? <laughs> that's a good point actually I was trying to actually think but there's nothing is I saw this a tweet actually by you <laughs> so I don't know if I've got it word for word correctly but I, I actually I've pulled it up here actually you know what I'm talking about yeah, so yeah okay, I tweeted uh, off, off my Twitter account so it's not only an RL Bulldogs fans account but I just tweeted um, the question has to be asked is this the worst Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs season in recent memory at NRL Bulldogs fans, hashtag proud to be a Bulldog. And Scotty, I don't know if you saw the reaction, but it was overwhelming in one direction. Yeah, actually, I did see some of the reaction. It actually got me thinking after the game, because when you tweeted it, that's where I saw it, was when you tagged it into the account after I posted the full-time score up, uh, which is getting a bit depressing week in, week out, by the way. But anyway, um, it was... Got thinking, and at first I thought, ah, oh, you're a bit crazy. But now I start to think back. The worst years we've had is the last couple of seasons, all right? It, well, 2008 is definitely one that's up there as well. Yeah, in um, 2005. Yep, but uh, 2008 we had five wins. Yeah, <laughs> but also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but 2005 and 2008 had all these injuries. 
Yeah, yeah. And two, we had two injured hit seasons. Yeah, there's like there's I... a reason for it. If there's a reason for it, like <laughs> because I can actually remember a game where Andrew Emilio scored one of those weird freakish tries when he wasn't even contracted at the club. He was like a match payment player, and there was all that effort. And I still like it was very easy to still bar- like you know barrack for them, go to games, watch them on TV, be excited because the effort and the ability of actually believing that we're going to win was still there because the players were pulling their backs. You saw them. There were a bunch of New South Cup side in 2008. We had stars couldn't be on the field because of injuries. And we were, it was just one of those years, and you just go, well, that's just unlucky. Yeah, or just, like just, maybe we need to review the strength and conditioning or whatever it may be. Yeah, it's just one of those years, one of those injury years that happens. You just hope you don't get the spoon and uh, you move on to the next season and you got an opportunity. But I think, uh, and I'll actually go through some of these responses in a second just to give uh, some of the fans' opinion rather than just me and you talking to each other. Yeah. But as as uh, one of these people point out, uh, the difference in the past three years and um, or past two years leading up into this really bad season and those years that you've mentioned previously is the fact that those years were... One-offs. There were there was a reason for it, injuries, and the next season we'll back better than better like raring to go. Next season, like there's nothing that fills you with confidence that you know next season it's going to be any different. Mm. That's, no, yeah. that's the hard part, or the hardest yeah. part. Possibly. Agree. No, agree very much. Because I was going to say last couple of years where we missed the finals, thing pays first year, the salary cap. Restrictions, releasing some players, releasing some players that Des bought to the club, or Des signed, or the previous board. So we copped that, and we said, well, we weren't even doing the podcast then, but we were saying, and as a as a fan, like majority of the fans, I feel I could speak on behalf of them, was that we said that's okay because we know what's going on. We had to release these A, B, and C players to get out of the club, and to sign some younger players. So that copped the two years, but the three years. The younger players are getting older. They're getting more game time. Or like, you know, they play more games. And it wasn't like we were expecting to make the finals. But we came relatively close the last two years. Where we came, had a surge. We thought if we could start that surge a little bit earlier. But it's just, I don't know, yeah. It's it's a it's one that made me think. And when you said, is it the worst in recent memory? The answer is yes. Because it looks like we're going to li- finish the season with two or three wins out of 20. Games. Yeah. Let's see what the fans said. Yeah. So we'll go through a couple of the responses that uh, was that tweet. So is this the worst Canterbury Bankstown Bulldog season in recent memory? At Pisani underscore Raymond says yes, but in saying that, every club goes for a bad patch. Just happens it's the Bulldogs, Broncos, and Cowboys. So one consolation, they're not on their own. Interesting point there by uh, Pisani Raymond. Uh, the only thing I'd put out there is um, the use of the word there. It's us. It's we. Yeah. <laughs> Don't share any success if you yeah. separate us in the, in the bad times. Uh, at Greg Gavalas, uh yes, 2008 was bad, but this is worse. Two beeping wins. You can read between the lines there. Uh, at Runaway One Way, it's a pretty good Twitter name. Runaway One Way. Past three years has been dread, uh, dreadful. Non-coaching has been the problem. I think that's a bit harsh on deal pay there, Ben. Uh, and at Black and Blue's dog, so we've gone from one of the better Twitter names to one of the worst, uh, comes up with Defs Agree. Uh, 
think that's some slang talk there. At Bassem Muhammad says, absolutely. Nate Davis at NATO25 says, the last three years has been diabolical. He can't see how the club will get itself out of this mess in another three years' time, to be honest. Um, Ahmed Dazili, I hope I've pronounced that right, mate. Uh, you've gone, You've said that 2008 was worse. At CHE2G4U, easily and easily the slowest backline ever. At Dirty Dog underscore game says easily. Um, at Joe Azra, the problem is there's no light at the end of the tunnel, no youngsters coming through, and the likes of Blake Green coming to the club. Another year of treading water. The rebuild will start one day. Actually, I saw, I like that one. That's <laughs> a fair. No, there is no youngsters that we, apart from Jake Avrilo. Maybe uh, Matt, 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 Matt Dury. Matt Dury, yeah, sorry, I was yeah, about to say, Matt Dury. But there isn't like someone in the New South Cup that hasn't played. Or I mean, I know it's New South Cup has been cancelled, but there's no one in the Cup last year apart from, I suppose, those two really, or Flag, where we get, went. This is the, I think Morgan Harper was it, but he's already gone. Um, I'll just... Yeah, sorry, you go. Got a few more here, so yeah, continue go, on. Anthony yeah. at AJSR Burke says, yes, with a crying emoji face, which hits you right in the heart. Uh, Robert Champion at Robert... Desmohead says no question. Uh, Lebanese Rambo <laughs> at uh, B B Cover ninety two says absolutely. Kathleen at the Cavalanta says absolutely. Frankie at the at PC Fun Police. Uh, we've had him. We've read out of twenty years before. So how you doing, Frankie? Uh, yes, it is. Surely we have hit rock bottom. Um, Mick at MJ nine eight seven six zero says yes. Lisa at Short and sweet. 7-4 Abilis says, yep. <laughs> you can just really hear the pain in the short answers, can't you? Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Those two. Joel Wrigley at League God at 692 says, Hardest as a fan for sure. 2008 had some terrible efforts, but we still had some wins, and we knew that we had quality coming in next year, so it was easier to get through. The way we have lost some games we could we could have won has been so hard to bear. Uh at least a pairs four. Bulldogs loving hubby says, yes, I actually feel sad for them. She's a Panthers fan, so thanks for oh, reaching out there. The opposite end of the spectrum, eh? <laughs> They're rolling up the high end. They're happy. Absolutely. Uh, Deep Long Stop says, even though the writing was on the wall, we all, and we all knew this was coming for years now, it doesn't make it any better. So it's as bad as I've seen. At Chairs underscore Bulldog says, no doubt we should be sponsored by Pascal's Marshmallows. The defence near the goal line of Ogden and Napa was diabolical. And uh, at Muggsy Silver, I think that's my favourite Twitter name of the night, at Muggsy Silver, I think also the defence looks really thin in the second half of games. The old stalwarts of Jackson and Tolman aren't the same tackling machines. Ogden and Napa aren't as good in their second stint. We need Elliot Brimson, Dury, and so on to be the defensive backbone. So, it's not just us, uh, all those people. Thanks for engaging. Uh, and if you heard your tweet, like or rate the podcast, I suppose. Well, thank you. Like we mentioned earlier before, the Bulldogs found another way to lose a game. I mean, going into half time, thinking 20 to 12. Uh, what was your thoughts? 20 to 12. Oh, surprised. Do you know what? I actually. 
was sitting there watching it and said, we're going to lose this. And I said, the Raiders will get, end up winning 38 or 40 points to, to 20. I said, we won't score another point. Uh, I was correct in the sense that the Bulldogs didn't score another point. Uh, I was wrong that the Raiders uh, didn't score more tries. But the most frustrating part was uh, the Raiders' copper sin binning to uh, young hooker Tom Starling. And they get two tries from it. How, how frustrating! Like it is. You know what was frustrating? This game reminded me why I don't like Jared Croker. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> we'll change it. We'll, we'll take a little bit of a, a spin little off. detour. I've always not liked Jared Croker for one reason or another. And this year I've been thinking maybe this year or last year I've been thinking maybe I've been a bit too harsh on him in the past. I don't even know why I really dislike him. Uh, but I, I just do. He's just one of those players. So he's got a head that you like to hate on. Um, <laughs> um, but moments after uh, Tom Starley gets sent to the sin bin, the play goes down the other end of the field. A situ- uh, penalty happens to um, up to the Raiders for taking a player out. That, in my opinion, wasn't even a penalty. And he's going on about sending the player to the sin bin only because they they were one down. Well, the thing I thought was more disappointing about uh, the Tom Starling sin bin was because you had six more, six more, six more, and the referee, Look and up. it was the fourth one, he went to wave six more, then he went, nah, it's a penalty, and then mm. he went, go. Yeah, okay. which was correct. Which was, was it Chris Butler? Yeah, uh, that's yeah, what's Butler. supposed to happen, yeah. No, yeah, I agree. No, I'm not having a go at him. And I don't remember if people remember the commentary, but Croker went to the referee and said, where's our warning, sir? Yeah, yeah. And his response was, how many six mores do I have to give? I think it was, or something like that, along those lines about there was a multiple six mores, which is correct. I reckon he could have done it. There were not just six mores. It wasn't like three in a row. It would happen to be over a 10-minute span. There were three in a row. In the same six, set. Of six different tackles. <laughs> yeah. So I would have been happy if he sent him, uh, someone else in the Simbin earlier. Like six more than six, like twice in one set. Come on. Like, if you're giving away six more, and they're the, almost the identical six more thing. But I absolutely loved it when Steve Roach said, well, he has a fair point. There was no warning unless if he might have shouted out through the run. And then Warren Smith goes, how much warning do you need when it's six more, six more, six more? He goes, it's pretty self-explanatory. There's nowhere in the rule book that says a referee has to warn a player before submitting somebody. Where does this idea come from that someone needs to be warned? Well, I like the thing. How much more of a warning do you need when the referee's waving six more all the time? But anyway, very frustrating that we couldn't... And I thought then, I didn't think we were going to win this at all this, the game. I even went to 2012, I was very happy. But I still felt we'll find a way to lose. I mean, it's been that season anyway. So you do kind of think that the win is still... When even you're in a position to win and you've lost so many what times in different ways. I felt that was probably the most disappointing part of the game is when we could have... When I saw the Sinbin, I actually started to believe... If we could get one or two tries for in the situation. for a slight moment there, wasn't it? It was like, no. wow, if we could score a couple of points here against 12 men for 10 minutes, it might be a big enough lead for the Raiders not to be able to run down. Yeah. Well, I was looking at 20 to 12, and I said, that's not going to be enough. I said, we need to at least get 30. Yeah. If we can score, that will take time off the clock, and you think, because people go, well, the Raiders scored 34. Well, if we scored two more tries, we would have taken time off the clock we- in between. The situation would have added extra pressure, and the game plays out differently. 
And we absolutely did the worst set of six in attack that's set after Starlight gets put in the bin. No, exactly. And this is where I thought, you know what? You go for the kill. Not the kill, but we should have been able to score one, two, one try would be a pass mark. If you had to give it a report card, like a C, two tries, you'd have been pleased. And anything more than two tries was obviously a bonus. We couldn't even cross once. They crossed twice against us. So if a try is a pass mark and zero, no points is like a, a fail, we did the complete opposite. Not The Raiders had one less player. They went upfield. They had no hooker. Hooker's like in a very... Uh, no, they did. They interchanged... Um, they interchanged... Uh, what's his name? The other hooker back onto the field. So they had a hooker. No, uh, the Toggin player? Havili? Ah, uh, Seville Havili, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry. You're correct, yeah. But they, we took it out of hooker, like a very, very good young hooker. Tyler Starling's having a fantastic season. It's been a really good year for him, like, you know, with the Raiders. He's been absolutely killing stats. It was a player to watch. Seeing me and him, I thought, yes, how good. They're going to be short somewhere. They've got to be short somewhere because someone's got to cover from somewhere. And it looked like we had to play a sin bid in that 10 minutes. It looked like we copped the sin bidding. And here you go. Here's a, here's a question for you, Scotty. I would be happy with this if they backed themselves to that list, even more so than what they actually did. What about the option of going for the two points and then getting the ball back against a 12 man lineup? For nine minutes. Well, so you get points straight away, you get your reward, and then you get nine minutes to play against a 12 man team. And then they've already been warned with their six against three times and a penalty and a sin bin. And then, as the attacking team, once you get the ball off the kickoff, you, not, I'm not saying milk penalties, but really fight hard to stand up every play of the ball and show the referee that you're being the positive side of it. And if there's a couple more six agains, you could force the referee's hand again. And have two and number one goes. Two people. Because the problem, unfortunately, was we had a really poor set of six, gave the ball away, and never saw the ball again for the mm. 10 minute period. Yeah. Just, I, just an idea. I would have said before, I actually liked live, I actually liked they went for the, the, the tap and go. Yeah, but if they're going to go for the tap and go, tap and go. Yes, Don't I know. Tap they... and five hit ups, kick, do shit kick. Yeah, I know. I get what you're saying, but now that you look at back at it, we should have went for the two. Well, I'm not we saying should... that we definitely should have. I'm just saying it's another option, you know. Well, we can't. What do you, yeah, what do you figure that option? Yeah, I do like that because we can't seem to. We can get. Our, we seem to go okay getting over end. And a, a person asked Steve Jonjalis after this, after the game, was, "It's your middles are doing a good job." And he read out stats from the middles. I think Naples the worst performing middle over statistically minutes. And he had a reasonably good game as well. So he said, you've got no problem getting out the ends. It's just why in the second half you can't score points. And again, Steve Jonjala says, it's our halves again. The last three matches he's blamed the halves, or four actually, yeah. For a while he's blamed the halves. And as a halfback, I don't know, as a halfback of 5'8", you'd be licking your lips when someone's getting sin-binned and you're about what, 20 or 30 away from the trial line. Should be licking your lips when you're that close to the trial line anyway. Organize yeah. the team, and this is your opportunity to shine. Let's go for it. It's that, and also the other thing that's been hurting us big time is our defense, especially late in halves. Like we've we used to, when we were poor the last two couple of years, you'd go, well, we're we're not the great team, but the boys try real hard in defense, and defense is good. And since Dean Page left, 
Uh, there's been some improvements on the attack, but I feel like the defense has just like fallen apart. Yeah, is it a fair comment to say defense is attitude? That's always a big word saying around football that's what team. All, that's what all the players say. So yeah, yeah. So it's like an what my next question is: it an attitude decision around like work on defense? Is it like the coaching's reflection on the defensing components of the game? If he's so worried about an attack, are we missing sections of defense, or is it the constant chop and change of the starting lineup? Not not to talk about like the halves what have been going like almost like a. Uh, Carousels. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but we've got the forwards. Like, Aiden Tolman's been... This is his second week at lock. Uh, Aiden Tolman started the year at prop. We had Josh Jackson play lock for a week. We've had Matt Dury come into the side. We had Raymond Fatale... Like, Raymond Fatale Marion was off the bench at the start of the season playing, like, a middle, third, a middle forward. We've had this. We've had that. Is what can impact the defense? We think many play fullback. Dallin play fullback. Hopawati play fullback. Like there's a lot of different components. Like people say, fullback is very important defense to read short sides and stuff like that, and pass the message. But is there is that a problem that because we, we change our lineup so much and almost every week a players? I don't know if they're getting dropped or if they're getting rested or if it's your turn to have the weekend off. Look, I see where you're going with that one. You might not be far far wrong, and I think that might be an issue. But some of the tries. They've gone just straight through the middle. Just a normal hit up, and they score a try. It's been ridiculous. Well, so like, it's more than just, like, that may be a contributing factor overall to the team's defensive performance, but some of those efforts uh, that close to the try line is absolutely is ridiculous. And I've always stood up for the players, and uh, even though we haven't been the greatest team and people say, oh, they're a bunch of reserve graders, uh, and, you know, that's just not the case. And I've always stood up for the players there. But um, some of that defence... Was like a bunch of reserve graders. Yeah, well, Ophiki Ogden's one they talked about earlier with Dylan Napa. Ogden looks gassed. I don't think he's. I don't know. Like he's still a young young man, relatively young forward, who still hasn't played a a, a number. He hasn't played much games. But I always liked the idea of Ogden coming off the bench. To be honest, playing one stint only, and really just telling him to rip and tear because he is good. Like his first. He's he's did some really good meters. Like he was really good in his first stint, and he gets taken off. And I don't think he's. I don't know. Again, maybe this is a New South Cup again. Maybe we're not doing enough fitness at training. I don't know. But Ogden, you know, he's been one of those other players who've been in and out of the side this year. Interchange bench dropped back to the start the starting lineup. He's been he's been he's done it all Ogden this year. I don't know if the New South Cup has impacted him. But I feel like he's a, a really good impact player off the bench. But that second stint, he gets, I think he's a very much fatigued. And, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah. I think you're onto something there. But I feel like we have uh, might have hit our limit for negativity in this game, Scotty, so maybe we should move on. Well, yeah, we'll talk about the positives because I actually wanted to highlight this moment. The Kieran Holland try. I oh, mean, talk about attitude, eh? Attitude and effort. Talk about try of the year. I reckon we've got the top two tries of the year, not being biased. Jake Averillo's human starfish, where he has 99% of his body in row one at Ains and Stadium, but yet gets his hand inside the corner post. Best try of that version I've seen since Julia Taylor Khalifi. Oh! Um, 
that uh, TIO stadium in Darwin. No, was like his body was in. No, it's Khalifa Fifi Law, wasn't it? Yeah. He had his body in row six, but the hair was on the try line. Yeah, so that was an enormous try. But Kieran Holland, do you know what that reminded me of? Good backyard footy, where you get the last tackle, or you get told you got to come inside after the next try or whatever. And you just don't score then. Well, yeah, it's true. Or the next try score wins. Yeah. And the ball's just ping pong thrown out and Holland's gone for the grubber and scored. Well, that was enormous. That was a double toe forward for the try. I think that's an enormous try. That's like one of those team tries of the year where you never give up. Um, I'll quickly run through the score sheets. The the Raiders winning 34 points to 20. Uh, Joseph Tarpany, Tom Starling, Jack White for double, Hudson Young and Tom Starling for another try. Scored six. Jared Croker, five from six. The Bulldogs, all their tries coming in the first half. Dallin, Watani, Zalesniak, Raymond Fatal and Mariner, which was a question mark one. The 29th minute, Josh Jackson got a try as well, which was an, which was awesome to see. Awesome try. And Kieran Holland in the 40th minute, Nick Minnie kicking two from four. Uh, the goal kicking looks like a bit of an issue for the Bulldogs again. But uh, it was it was awesome to see Josh Jackson score one. Yeah, well-deserved. Yeah. Uh, Raymond, just quickly before we jump into a, a highlight of players, Raymond Fatale and Mariner, was that a try or no try? Try. Try? Okay. They had a different thought. I thought we got very lucky with that because I thought Montoya ran straight into Curtis Scott, but I'll take the try anyway. Uh, <laughs> I'm saying try because we're Bulldogs fans, Pete. Okay, fair enough. There's a try every uh, day. I, I, did, I did think it was going to come back there, try. I was quite surprised. Um, yeah. But it's a try. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, I was going to highlight a few players. Dallin Wartelli is a Lesniak back into the uh, side. Added a little bit. Got a try as well himself. He's going straight. Did you notice that? Yes. He's uh, definitely learnt from uh, his dropping and he's running straight again. Fantastic. One of the things we saw a reporter was potentially asking him for to be released from the club. So it was enormous to see him have a really good game. Very positive. He was very vocal too. He was very aggressive out there, uh, which was awesome to see. That's usually you don't see that from a player who's apparently asked for a release, which was reported a couple of weeks ago. 18 runs, 152 run meters, a line break and a try. Renoff Tormunga came back with the blue hair. Uh, apparently it was green. Commentator oh. said during the game that uh, they asked the Bulldogs and it was, it's not blue, it's green. And they asked the Bulldogs why was it green. And they said, no reason. Just because he wanted who, it to be green. Who is asked to disagree with Renoff Tormunga? <laughs> I'm not going to disagree yeah. with him. I'm not going dis- to The funny thing was actually before the game started and I had the players in the dressing rooms, Warren Smith was reading the team lineup. I don't know if you caught this. And he saw the green, or the now the green hair, what I thought it was blue. Uh, he said, what's that with Christian Crichton's hair colour? <laughs> he read the lineup first, and I said, at what stage was Christian Crichton's name in the lineup?" And second of all, he's done a few of those, actually. I don't know if he's slightly racist, but anyway, he ran off to a manga. <laughs> 22 minutes played, 10 runs, 111 metres, 38 po- post-contact metres. Very good return game for Renoff. Coming in for Swasosu. I highlighted the captain, Josh Jackson, 80 minutes, a try, 14 runs, 131 metres, 43 post-contact metres and 33 tackles. Is there anyone else you want to highlight? Uh, Aiden Tolman, 147 metres, 46 tackles. 
and uh, he got one point for me uh, yep. for the player of the week. I'm just jumping straight into it, Scott. And uh, right. despite your objections, Hopawati, uh, 156 metres, two tackle breaks. Uh, I think he's added something different to fullback, and he gets two points from me. Well, I want to say Aiden Tolman gets yes, the one Yes, he made point three for errors. No, I was going to say Aiden Tolman gets the one point for me. Uh, and I have to say, with Will Hopawati, I thought it was one of our worst fullback performances. I was I thought this would be the confirmation that Nick Meany would be fullback this week, but he's still not it. He's still not. Uh Hopper blowing uh, things. I'm very surprised with your two points going to Will Hopawati. I've gone two points to Raymond Fatal and Mariner again. He played the 80 minutes, one try, 16 runs, 134 34 meters, 59 post contact meters. I think this has been an enormous year for Raymond. He's really he's made that he's got that second row opportunity. He's made it his own and not just that, he keeps playing the whole game in the second row. I think he's been enormous, so he gets my two points. All righty, we're going to go back to the Warriors game and um, give our points for that as well. So for that game, I gave Will Hopawati two points. He made 229 metres, 72 post-contact metres, one line break, one line break assist. Uh, Raymond Fatala Mariner got one point from me, 115 metres and 33 tackles against the Warriors. Well, I've gone two points, Jeremy Marshall King. He ran for 86 metres, uh, one tackle break, one line break, 48 tackles. Looked absolutely dangerous out there in the middle at hooker. I was very surprised that he actually started that game. And I've gone one point with the person who got dropped for the Raiders game, Suaso Sue. He made 112, 112 metres in 11 runs, 44 minutes played. He made 58 post-contact metres. I don't see many people get as much as he does for 50 post-contact metres, and he made 30 tackles. I thought it was an enormous game for Suaso Sue, but Steve John Jarlis did not agree with me at all. This week, we play the Gold Coast Titans on the Saturday, the 5th of September at ANZ Stadium. Uh, it's a 3 p.m. kickoff. It's Members Appreciation Round. So you get excited if you're going to the game. It's the time when the Bulldogs say thank you to all their members, especially those who have pledged their support for the club in 2020 in this very much crazy crazy year. I'll read through the team lineup. At fullback is Will Hopawadi. The wingers are Nick Meany and Dallin Wateni Zalesniak. The centers are Marcelo Montoya and Kieran Holland. The 5'8 is Kieran Foran. Halfback is Lachlan Lewis. The two props are Ofi Hiki Ogden and Dylan Napa. At hooker is Jeremy Marshall King. The second rowers are Josh Jackson and captain Raymond Fatala Mariner. At lock is Aiden Tolman. Dylan change bench is Jake Avarillo who's returned, Renoff Tormunga, Matt D- Dury, and Luke Thompson. The reserve bench is Sawaso Sue, Jack Cogger, Remus Smith, and Tim Lifey. Uh, what do you make of this side? Yeah, well, I, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I actually honestly thought after the performance against the Raiders that Nick Meany would be back at fullback. But apparently he got two points, so I don't know. <laughs> Well, he did get two points. Well, yeah, he did. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Commenting on team changes right now, I don't know what George Arnold was trying to do. So, I'm just going to not comment on it. Like I said earlier, I hope we win, but I've lost all faith that we'll win another game this year. So, hopefully, we win. Also, rewind for a second. What was with the black shorts against the Raiders? Oh yes, the talking point. I don't know. I was, <laughs> exactly. I forgot all about it while we're talking about the game. Uh, we started the Titans one now, but what the heck was the black shorts? I'm blowing up about that too. Um, someone tweeted me just a, uh, 
uh, the end of a series of bad decisions made by the club this week. I'll tell you uh, what, those black shorts better not have anything to do with Marley's partnership. I thought, when I was watching them warm up, I thought Raymond Fatale and Marley didn't get out of his training shorts. Yeah, I thought they were training shorts too. And also, if you're going to have black shorts, have black shorts. Don't have a blue strip down the side. Mm. looks terrible. I don't know if that was for a heritage jersey, those black shorts. Round, like yeah, where we wear heritage round? We wear completely black shorts with the blue and white butcher stripes as yeah. our heritage jersey, as our original jersey. That's fine. All other cases, we wear blue shorts. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. But I don't know if they were meant to be our heritage round shorts that we haven't really worn this year because it's not really happening. Yeah. And someone thought it was a good idea to just play it in a way game. I don't okay. know if someone put the wrong kit in. Like, that's you know, the, if that's the Heritage Round shorts... Oh, they're terrible. I'd be upset too, because the Heritage Round doesn't have the blue stripe. Yeah, anyway. they're terrible. But I was just going to say, I don't know if someone bought the wrong kit down. Yeah. Well, which has happened in the nines with the Warriors. That's, yeah, well, sorry yeah. about that. Okay, um, um, that's the... Comment on your, the Steve John Jarlis thing, actually. Someone on Twitter, uh, ConK, which is CK7581, there was a conversation uh, about an unchanged lineup and Twitter uh, and how people are very upset with Steve John Jarlis. Uh, he actually, I want to read one of his responses is that they were talking about, oh, so, so like I said, the Steve John Jarlis and not, you know, certain players being selected and, you know, is he being serious? Is he taking this real? Because against the Raiders, there was a picture of him laughing when the Raiders scored, which wasn't ideal for him. But someone said, I love the Bulldogs just as much as anyone else, but one thing I've learned in the last five, 10 years... Oh, no, actually, that's the one I wanted to read. <laughs> so, the NRL Bulldogs fans podcast has experienced technical difficulties. Yeah. Sorry, it was a response in uh, that when you get told you're leaving the club, and quite early on when he was uh, interim coach, how else is he meant to prepare and you know, do his job at the full ability with confidence. That was basically the general gist of the tweet. I can't actually find it now, but I thought it was an interesting it, point. Absolutely interesting point. But then again, you've got to ask the question, well, if he wants a job in the NRL next year as an assistant somewhere, he'd be doing his best. Oh, yeah, I agree. But it's just a weird one to be told very early that you're not going to be coach when I said that he might have a chance and then not be coach. So and then Trent Barrett to tell him that he's not wanted next year. So it was very much a bang bang for poor, well for Steve John Dallas. Yeah, but I agree with the decision by Barrett. So happy to go with that one. Uh, all right, back to the Titans, Scotty. Do you give us any chance? No. AJ Brimson. I think the weather for this weekend it's September. Uh, beautiful weather. Uh, forecasted to be about 25 degrees, 24, 25 degrees in Sydney, sunny, very little chance of rain. Uh, I think that's enough for the Titans to run away. They scored a lot of points against the Dragons late. Last week I watched their game. Uh, I feel like the Dragons, they know the Dragons were playing as they had a chance to play finals. So I don't think the Dragons were such the easy beats. I think they've been pretty good since the new coach. But, you know, the likes of AJ Brimson, a fullback. I think the Jamal Fogarty has been enormous for the Titans. And I think that Jamin Jolliffe, the prop, 
just to name a few of the players. I think they've been absolutely amazing for the Gold Coast, and I think they actually walk away winners, and I think they actually do it quite comfortably, to be honest. Okay, well, I think that's a good uh, note to let's just move on to the next segment and the final segment of the show. Well, we've gone old dog. You know what you like, my links. Uh, I've picked someone who's only played 68 games for the club, uh, also playing for the Gold Coast Titans in his career. Have we got anyone? Delio Con? Jamal Idris. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I thought 68 was too much for uh, Con. Yeah, so I've gone Jamal Idris. Uh, I've actually forgot that Jamal played for the Titans. Yeah, I mean, he left us in the end of the 2011 season. Uh, was the 2009 Dalian Rookie of the Year? Because uh, he only played the three games in 2008. He scored 24 tries for the club. I actually thought there was much more tries, to be honest. I do remember him scoring quite a lot. Uh, he was a fun player. Uh, he was very good at fan, fan and members days. He was someone they loved having on the footy show. Such a talent. He's in my debate uh, that I always go to, Scott. Who wasted the most talent, Jamal Idris or Ben Barber? I'd probably have to go with Ben. Talent by talent. But yeah... Jamal had a career. Like, he played Origin and for his country. Like, right now, Jamal is 30 years old. Yes, yeah, I saw that, yeah. Like he, he could have done a lot more in a game if he wanted to. If he wanted to, I think that's the point, eh? I think in the end, he just didn't want to. He didn't really want to be a professional athlete or a professional rugby league player. But I, it's weird, though. When he was at the Bulldogs, and nobody says, like, this is why I picked him, is because he was actually a very good player. It was quite sad to see him go to Gold Coast. They offered him quite a lot, and you can't blame him for wanting to go there. And they, he was—he signed a multi-year deal, which only lasted two seasons there, for being like homesick before yeah, going down to Penrith. Penrith for two years, then he went on some sort of world trip, came back saying he wanted to play football again. Last five games, I think he got injured against the Tigers. Yeah, and it's sad. But when he was playing for Penrith, he was quite a very heavy. It was more. Of, a genuine forward, which I think lost his appeal because even you put him at center or second row for the Bulldogs, he played most of his games at center. He was a threat, no matter where he's played. At the Titans, I don't know if it was the family thing. He said he missed his mum if more than he thought he would. You know, he. Yeah, I remember him being real upset when he came to the realization that um, he'd had to go to the Titans. Like, he obviously signed with the Titans. He played out the rest of the season. But when it hit, then he was, had to leave. Uh, he got real upset. Uh, he ends his career with a goal-kicking percent of zero, Scotty. Yes, I did Nine see that. One in 2009. Look, he went on to play for New South Wales. One game 2010, like you said. Australia, one game 2011. Three games in New South Wales country. Two games with the Indigenous All-Stars. So, apart from, like, winning a grand final or winning a World Cup, he, he did quite a lot in the game. In such a short period, really. Yeah. For. But what could have been with Jamal Idris is the big question. Yeah. It... Like Jamal Idris, and like we probably don't like comparing to this guy, but he's in the news at the moment. Uh, he's a player that hurt us, but uh, he could have been a Sonny Bill Williams. He could have had that type of impact on the sport or multiple sports uh, throughout his career. It just he just didn't. Do you think if he had his time again? Back to, I know we were going back a long time in 2011. Would he have stayed? Do you think if, 
it'd be an interesting question to ask him. Yeah, you'd have to say it pro- probably worked, would have worked out better for his career uh, long term to stay. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens though when you flush Big Coin and Gold Coast were looking to build. Mm. They wanted a character. Jamali just was that character as well. Like we said, off the field, you meet him at Members' Day, singing, dancing, playing with kids, always upbeat when he was doing yeah, Members' Day. He's very, such very a nice good guy. guy. Yeah. yeah, such a good awesome guy. guy. Uh, you saw him on the footy show. It was such a, a hoot on the footy show. Ray Warren actually absolutely loved him and pled with him to stay at Canterbury so he could be on the footy show more often. <laughs> so he got yeah. a lot of respect with Stoke. Definitely like, a character, wasn't he? He got a lot of respect. It's weird for like Ray Warren to almost... He said that he just loved Jamal Idris. There's something about him that he just couldn't not like about Jamal. He was, like I said, he was such a great guy. Done a lot in such a short period of yeah, it just becomes one of those things. But I just want to remember like the good times with him, like coming in early, like the two thousand and nine season. What a year for the Bulldogs. And uh very underrated player, I think, in that two thousand and nine team. And then even in those other years, ten and eleven, we didn't make the finals, he still contributed. Yeah, he played multiple roles, sometimes off the bench and second row, which quite a young man. I do remember him scoring a freakish try against Melbourne at second row with a crossfield kick. What went was meant to go to him, but it came towards the post and he came flying in and fell over someone's head and scored at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, what could have been? Hey, could you imagine if we kept on to Sonny Bill Williams and had Jamal Idris in the centres and had it same could have been on the same side of the field, uh, Sonny Bill at second row and Jamal Idris in the centre? Well, they could both be second row. They could both be second row. And that's are. probably where Jamal would have ended his career. Well, did end his career, but uh, probably would have been second rowers now. But when uh, Sonny Bill moves to second row, if he stayed at the club, Jamal goes on the on the centre. Far out, that would have been a devastating edge. Oh yeah, it would have been enough to be the winger on the outside, eh? But ben Barber <laughs> running, Ben Barber running around the back, and Jonathan first in the halfback. Well, can you imagine like what a, a team? Morris, a Morris, like a Brett Morris. Yeah, was yeah. Left it. I know the uh, Sonny Bill. I think. Remembering if it's correctly played more on the right and Jamal just played more on the right. But talking about the the players who were around that time, the wingers, like you said, the people who like stayed like the Steve Turner. Yeah. Could have given another seventy tries in his career. <laughs> Mitch Brown, who played on that wing and the left would have wing. Been yeah, like would have had that. Uh today's one if they're still going, because Sonny Bill's still playing today and Jamal yeah. only being thirty. I mean, uh Nick Meany, uh <laughs> Dallin Matini Zalesniak, Christian Crichton, Montella Montoya. I think, I think we need to go. <laughs> <laughs> but before we go, the thing we're going to finish with Jamal Idris is that the five games for the West Tigers, and one thing that I think impacted and people liked the guy was that when he signed the West Tigers, I remember over social media, a lot, a few questions were asked, why? I mean, it was, he came on the cheap to the Tigers, but so many people barracked for Jamal to succeed. Yeah, they and, and that was enormous. That's what the type of impact he had with like those. I I know so many Bulldogs fans were wanting him to succeed, Penrith fans as well, and wanting to see him go well. And it's very weird, like for a game that can hate on its own, like rugby league can hate on its top performing athletes, like they can to have people like Jamal Idris get the the support of the game, wanting him to go well is enormous so I think even though he might have had the career what could have been he I think he gets remembered as the good guy as well yeah he, he did do a lot of his career too so it's not like he 
he was a flash of the pan. He did have a fairly decent career. Yeah. It was just shorter than what it could have been. Well, I will think we'll finish it there. But uh, make sure you stay in touch with our social medias on Twitter. It is at NRL Bulldogs fans. We have Instagram as well at NRL Bulldogs underscore fans. You can get us the email at, oh, sorry, it's NRL Bulldogs dot fans at gmail.com. And also we've joined the Facebook world. I know a bit, a bit backwards, I guess you could say. It's NRL Bulldogs fans podcast on Facebook. All right, guys, thanks for listening to us, Ramble. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye.